0: And welcome to Diary of an Overcomer, the podcast that takes a look at the issues of addiction, domestic violence, and homelessness through the stories of women who have overcome them. Each episode, we highlight one issue and share a story of an overcomer, discussing the common questions people have and the possible solutions that are out there. I'm your host, Jen Harp, along with my co host, Carol Patterson, the CEO of Shepherd's Gate, a nonprofit that helps women and children escape the cycles of addiction homelessness, and abuse. Between the two of us, we have over 45 years experience working with people who have struggled in these areas, and we both share a deep desire to help people overcome. So thank you for listening, and let's get started. Welcome to this episode of Diary of an Overcomer. The topic for today is how to find a good recovery treatment center. We've recorded a few episodes about addiction. The last episode we recorded was specific to fentanyl. So it seemed very important to address how to get help if you or a loved one is battling an addiction. Where can you go and what can you look for in these recovery programs? As we talked about last week, substance abuse, or as it's more formally known as substance use disorder, is where a person has an intense focus on a certain substance, whether it's alcohol, marijuana, or prescription pills, or any of the other hundreds of drugs, to the point that their ability to function in daily life becomes impaired. Now, Carol, what are the first steps in knowing you or
1: someone you love needs help with an addiction? Good question, Jen. So these are just some things that could show up in alcoholism or drug use. And so the first one is doing actually more of drinking or drugs to get that same effect. And they call this the increased tolerance method. Um, Second one is trouble stopping one drink is not enough. You can't stop at one drink. You will drink the whole bottle or uh, stay for multiple hours, or you will take one hit and take more afterwards. So it's trouble stopping. And then the solo style, you move from doing this as a group activity to solely doing it by yourself in isolation and shame. Those are Just a few. There's several warning signs that, you know, irregular mood swings. There's a lot of different warning signs. No one case is the same. So once a person comes to terms with realizing they need to
0: get on the road to recovery, what are some of the steps that they should take?
1: This is difficult because some, most people don't believe they need help. And here in our program at Shepherd's Gate, I see moms and dads and aunts and uncles drag a woman to our door and it's just not going to work to be dragged to a program or have someone pick them up and bring them to a program because there's going to be so much rebellion against it and they're going to run away at uh, the first chance. So it really has to be the woman or the man to come to grips with their addiction to want recovery. And unfortunately, they have to hit rock bottom for them to really realize that they need help, that they can't do this by themselves, they can't stop drinking. They can't stop calling their drug dealer. So, um, so that's a waiting period because the family and friends want that recovery for their loved one, but you can't uh, just wish them into a recovery program. So, that's a first realization. But, when they do want a recovery program, then the hunt starts of what is the appropriate uh, program for them and I think you have a uh, a really interesting story to talk about.
0: yes, Carol. I do have an interesting story. We had been delivering lunches to a homeless encampment near where we live, and We had been doing it for a few years, and we met a woman who had been on heroin for 12-plus years. And finally, one Saturday, she said she wanted to quit, and she said she needed our help. There were six of us, and we each had a cell phone, and we began to all different programs. We didn't even know what we were doing. We didn't know where to go. You know, We had a few names of places because we had worked in the nonprofit world of addiction. We just started calling all six of us. And it literally took us over eight hours to finally get her into a detox program. Her insurance was in one county. This program was in another county. We had to go pick up medication before she entered the detox. It was hooped. And hopes and hopes that we had to jump through. When somebody is getting ready to go into detox or go find a recovery program, there are quite a few steps that they need to go through. And if your loved one or you are thinking that it's time, just expect that. Other thing that you know we found in working with people is right away to find someone you trust to hold you accountable and help you through the process because it's it is a long process and you do need support and help and if you don't have somebody in your life we have heard of people reaching out to their local NA or AA and asking for some support there and the local chapter could could send you somebody and then obviously Carol had reminded me that there is some help that drugfree.org they will provide you with different counselors or people to talk to also to get you through the process. And if it's not you, you know, if this is a loved one, obviously you could be that person that helps them walk through it.
1: And drugfree.org will will talk to a mom or dad or sibling or friend um, about the situation and guide them through the process. So don't hesitate to reach out to drugfree.org there's also counselors at the SAMHSA, and that's that represents, it's a big mouthful, but it is the Substance uh, Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, and they have one of the best databases of all recovery programs across the nation. So they're a great resource, whether you go online to their site or you give them a call, They can walk you through the process as well. But as you said, Jen, the moment they want recovery, it is a scary, overwhelming situation. And to have somebody pray with you, someone that you trust in your life to help you, to hold you accountable is so important.
0: And we'll have all of these in the show notes, all of these resources in the show notes. For today's episode, but what are what are the typical types of recovery programs? I think that people think we throw around the term recovery program or addiction program, but what are the typical types of recovery programs, Carol?
1: It all depends on um, what your addiction is, and also the the first step is detox, as you mentioned earlier, for those coming off of alcohol and. Um, heroin, you'd want a medical detox to um, attend because coming off those uh, drugs and substances is so life-threatening that you could die as you withdraw. And so that's one of the most important. And unfortunately, there are so few detox centers across America I mean, in our county, there's only one um, and other counties are using it on top of it. So the detox is important. Now, some recovery programs will offer the detox component if they are a medical center. There are outpatient and inpatient recovery programs. Outpatient, your just meeting with a case manager, you might be doing that over Zoom or a phone call, and you are on a plan with a counselor to gradually be accountable and uh, come off of the substance. And sometimes medication can be described, prescribed, and that would be like methadone instead of heroin. And so that can be in an outpatient recovery program. But an inpatient recovery program, then you're going to have lodging, meals, counseling, and you might have extra uh, curricular activities to do. There's also those that you you're going to work with your insurance because your your insurance is required to to help subsidize your payments for recovery. Then there are those that are federal or state or nonprofit recovery programs. And they could be 30 days, they could be 90 days. And then you're looking at an aftercare program um, after you come from recovery. A lot of people might opt for a inpatient recovery program that also is uh, supplied by your insurance. You or your loved one is really going to have to fight for your insurance to pay for it. Um, If you are denied, you're going to have to lobby for your right for that payment. Sometimes they will ask for a doctor's referral because they want to make sure that this is really necessary this treatment program, these recovery programs are not cheap. They are so expensive and the bills just mount up Uh, just even for the detox component could be 1500, 2000, and that might just be for four days. Then the recovery program for 30 days could be as high as 30 to $40,000. And, The process of this is when you come to their administrative offices that are usually away from their program, you will sit with office staff and work out your payment process, and they might require you to put your credit cards down, full payment, and then be reimbursed by your insurance. So often families are and friends are putting down multiple credit cards to pay for $30,000 and also there is no guarantee because if for some reason you walk you enter you've paid your $30,000 and you walk away 4 days later that is non-refundable. I have seen families that have taken out seconds on their homes, home loans in order to pay for recovery. It's, it's heartbreaking to see how much friends and family will do to support their loved ones. And that loved one is struggling day by day to um, grasp their recovery. Does that answer your question, Jen?
0: yeah more than answers okay. it. okay. and um really bleeds into the next question. you know, how do you find the right recovery program to fit your needs? And obviously, cost is going to be up there, high on the list. You know, like you said, some medical programs may be covered by insurances. Most private health plans do cover at least a portion of a substance abuse treatment, and some cover it entirely. But you need to check that out. You need to contact your carrier and see what that would be. Right.
1: That's um, the best part to start at is calling your insurance and asking them what they re- what they require and what they cover, that you don't be surprised by that.
0: And one interesting thing is under the Affordable Health Care Act, an insurance applicant is no longer penalized for a pre-existing condition. So it allows someone who is already battling an addiction to apply for a healthcare policy where before they could have been denied. Drug and alcohol disorders are included in the 10 essential health benefits central to that affordable healthcare act, um, which means these policies must treat addiction and mental health disorders, you know, with the same level of importance as any other medical condition, which is good news. There are grants that you can apply for for federally funded state-run drug and alcohol addiction mm-hmm. treatment programs. They some of them provide public assistance, you know, and it just depends state to state, might be a separate agency or it might be included under a larger health and behavioral health department. It's really specific to state, even to county. Um, But these offer both inpatient and outpatient. There are public programs out there that are federally run or state run that do offer some public assistance. And then, of course, there are the nonprofit addiction uh, treatment programs. uh, And they're available little to or to no cost. You know, Salvation Army is one of them that is
1: very popular and has been around for a while. Teen Challenge Mm -hmm. is another one. Those might be 90-day programs. They might be one-year programs. You know, addiction is not a quick fix. It is a lifetime of recovery that our listeners will discover. There are nonprofit agencies and there are Christian nonprofit agencies, and they tend to have a higher success rate because incorporating AA with the big book and biblical principles, relationship with God, that brings about a longer successful recovery program because usually those programs are looking at the whole person. The other little stumbling block some people will say is, well, am I going to lose my job? You are protected in that area legally if you need a recovery or mental health program. Then there's the other component, well, who's if it's a single person, who's going to look after my children if I go into a inpatient recovery program because they don't take children? That becomes complex if you don't have a family or friend mm-hmm. to lean on to take care of your kids. That's why our program here at Shepherd's Gate is so desired is because we do take children. And they get their own recovery program as a child to be able to navigate of why Why was mom drinking so much? Why was mom always locked in the bathroom? So we partner with the Betty Ford Foundation and they provide free classes and support groups for our children to be able to discuss those topics honestly with their moms present. It's a whole family program here at Shepherd's Gate and that's really unique to find in the United States.
0: The more you begin looking into these programs and like Carol had shared S-A-M-H-S-A, and that's .gov. They have a huge comprehensive database of these state mental health private organizations that can help, but it's going to take work and it's going to take time to Mm -hmm. find the one that is the right fit for you.
1: I have to add that not all of them are ethical. There is a lot of programs or sober living programs that Unfortunately, your loved one is a is a prey. They are victims because the drug dealers know that that's a sober living place or that's a detox center or that's a recovery location and they're waiting outside cuz they're going to be selling drugs to your loved one. And I've heard numerous horror stories about that. So, visiting the place And um, checking it out is important um, to see it firsthand. And the area that it's located, it's a hard situation. I mean, here in where we live, uh, we have one detox center and we've made a relationship with the detox center, not to leave our woman who's entering our program, leave the building because there's so many waiting for her outside to sell her drugs And so they call us and then we transport to our program in order to prevent her from relapsing right there after detox.
0: So the other types of treatment services that are offered at some of these places are individual counseling, group counseling, educational services. Some will actually provide GED classes or grade appropriate classes, whatever that may be, college courses. Vocational services, resume assistance, life skills training, mental health treatment for individuals diagnosed with co occurring mental illness. Because, like you said before, all of that adds into the complexity of receiving treatment for an addiction, a chemical addiction or substance addiction. Is if you have legitimate medication that you need to be taking, is it conflicting in any way with your recovery? True. So family services, is there a level of family involvement in that program because that's pretty essential to integrate that individual back into a healthy family and and then even assess if that family is healthy because we know working in this world that sometimes the families are actually a big part of the problem and can be a trigger can be a stumbling block to that person in their recovery and then one of the things we're going to talk about right now is continuing care do they provide some sort of aftercare support plan following the program to ensure that the tools are applied successfully so aftercare carol what what are your
1: thoughts on that? So these are often called sober living environments, and you might be just renting a room. It might be as simple as renting a room from an environment that has no drugs or alcohol, or it could be more care at these sober living locations like nighttime AA meetings and process groups as well as allowing you to go back to work and come home to a sober living environment. Aftercare is important because it's hard to do it alone afterwards. You need a support system and you need to be following and going to your meetings, whether it be NA or AA, um, celebrate recovery. Those also are supportive pieces to longevity of your recovery. When you are calling these sober living uh, aftercare programs ask a lot of questions. Exactly how much is the program? Because there's multiple layers to their financial counting, whether it be just your your monthly rent to your first your last month's security deposit to administrative costs. It goes on and on. So really getting a handle on it when you call and not just jumping at the first one and really getting an understanding of what they offer and how much it costs, because insurance is going to back out of this component.
0: I think that any kind of aftercare service is essential to long-term recovery. I've seen it at the at Shepherd's Gate, I've seen it at different other different programs. When they provide that service, it just helps the individual to continue in their success and continue in their recovery because there's somebody walking alongside them and holding them accountable, like you talked about, and also encouraging them. Mm-hmm. AA has we've all heard about sponsors and things like that. And that's a a really successful part of Alcoholics Anonymous, and it has been for multiple years, is that part of having a sponsor, having somebody that you can call and who understands where you're at and what you're going through and can encourage and help equip you to get through. So aftercare is, is essential in my humble opinion.
1: We've only increased it over the last three years here at Shepherd's right. Gate. We have a full alumni program now that offers classes to continuing your case manager time, working in our learning career center, and knowing that you're not alone. They have monthly meetings and They have weekly devotional emails that land in their um, box. They are taught about relapse prevention. And that's what we're coming to next is what nobody likes to
0: talk about, right, Carol? Uh, Can you share a little bit about the stats surrounding relapse and even why most say that it's part of recovery?
1: You will hear in Alcoholics Anonymous, people that have been going to that program for 30 plus years. It's a daily commitment to yourself to choose recovery, but relapse is real. It is creeping up all around you, whether it be who you're hanging out with after your recovery program if you're strong enough to go to your AA meetings on a weekly basis or a daily basis, avoiding triggers. Uh, It could be a place. It could be a thing that reminds you of your time in your substance use. Relapse is real. It's so scientific now because there's been so much research on this to be able to drill it down year after year of the likelihood of recovery. So the stats, Jen, are so amazing. So 40 to 60% of addicts will relapse. And it, it all depends on what situation they're going back to. And that's why the sober living environments help them not to go back directly to it. But some addicts say they relapsed in the first week of returning home. Or I've even heard Elizabeth Vargas Talk about people that have walked out of recovery centers and gone directly to a drug dealer or to a uh, liquor store. 85% relapse of the first year is what psychology today researchers have found. 21.4% in the second year. Then if you are able to stay sober for five years, the chances of relapse have are decreased by 15%. Some people that have been through recovery programs, some of them will say it took five recovery programs, seven recovery programs. Now your loved one and your friend are standing on the side saying, why can't you just quit? You went through a recovery program. This is an addiction that has consumed the person. And that's why they so badly need to step-by-step choose recovery. It's gotta be so hard to see someone relapse seven times. It is possible. And in a Christian program, it is God who makes this possible that they can recover. We see an 85% success rate within the first year. Now, how we actually calculate that is 85% that they're clean and sober, they're still attending AA or NA and they have a counselor, but they also have housing and they're either working or going to college. That's how we establish success of 85% success rate. And we're currently working and collecting this data so we can see longevity of two years, three years, four years. We're currently on our second year of collecting our stats. So I I predict that we'll continue to see success in this. But truly, it's, it's because we are a Christian program and we hold the women accountable and that we provide as much support as possible. And we now have AA meetings on site. In order to help keep the women going and also finding great sponsors that are women of our community, that are Christian women, that come alongside and walk alongside our women for a long period of time, not just for a couple months.
0: That longevity and that um, establishing of trust is mm-hmm. important. Like we had stated before. These resources and many more that we've collected in our research will be listed on the show notes. Carol, are there any closing thoughts from you today?
1: You know, if there's a family member out there or, or that needs recovery and you just need a little guidance or someone to pray with you, you can always reach out to me at CPatterson at shepherdsgate.org where it's real and we want to help you.
0: We're not just voices in a podcast but we're actually doing this so that this information can get out and people will not feel alone. You know, if this helps one person, you know, log on to the SAMHSA.gov website and find a recovery program in Ohio or Pennsylvania or something, It it's so worth it. So please be encouraged today. You are not alone. Reach out if you need to talk or for prayer We'll uh, put Carol's email address also in the show notes. God bless you guys and be encouraged today. If you found this podcast helpful, please do us a favor and hit subscribe. And then in the comments section, please feel free to share your own story of overcoming. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to next time.